I'm determined. I'm determined to make an impact. I, I, we work more than we sleep in our life. We work more than we're with our family. If you're not trying to make an impact in kind of what you're doing, it doesn't have to be a financial impact. For me, it used to just be creating headlines and being a part of the sports conversation. Now mm-hmm. I'm interested in growing businesses, but I want to make an impact at the end of the day. Blue Wire is my ability to make a bigger impact than I ever could have made. Welcome to another episode of the Do Me A Favor podcast. I'm Ben, and this week we have a very special guest. I know I've said that on just about every show I've done so far, but this week was a lot of fun for me as we had on the CEO of Blue Wire and one of my closest friends in the entire world, Kevin Jones. During our talk, Kevin and I dive into the Blue Wire origin, how an up and down career in sports media led him to ultimately take things into his own hands and control his own destiny. Um, and how he's executed his vision by getting the right people on board who actually give a shit. Quick background on Blue Wire. Uh, since launching in 2018, Blue Wire has raised 9 million of venture capital, had more than 100 million podcast downloads, that's a lot, um, and secured a win Las Vegas multi year partnership with the studio built out in the lobby. I've seen it, it's super dope. Current talent featured in the Blue Wire podcast network includes Chris Long, Lolo Jones, Duncan Robinson, uh, and my personal favorite, the Road Trippin' podcast with Richard Jefferson, Channing Fry, and Allie Clifton, among many others. Um, as close as we are, and you know, as much as I know about Kev, there was a lot of things from this convo that, quite frankly, were brand new to me and, and super interesting to hear. It was cool to hear him, you know, open up and ultimately just see how the natural leadership that had him you know, taking off his shirt and yelling at our student section to be louder in high school has led to uh, such great places. Um, it's really remarkable to see, really proud of him. And um, yeah, hope you guys get a lot out of this. And I, I know I did, enjoy. And we're off, Kevin, welcome to the show. Wonderful intro, man, very, I feel esteemed. I feel like a big guest, man. It's exciting. You should. You should and you are. Welcome. Yeah, so we we were talking about before, but we can kind of skip the whole small talk portion of this. Um, It's funny. I was actually reading in preparation for this. I I did a lot of preparing. I was reading some interview, and I I forget exactly which one it was, but uh, this guy was asking you questions about, like, your hometown, our hometown, and he clearly had no idea where it was. And I think one of his last questions was like, is that considered Appalachia? <laughs> and <laughs> I think you had had enough and you're just like, it's DC, man. It's, it's DC. We can skip oh, that. Whole thing. Virginia, it, it gets a bad rap. So yeah, Northern Virginia, but no, for sure, man. It's, I forget which interview it was too, man. I do a lot of these now, but <laughs> A lot, lot of great products are born Northern Virginia, man. Anytime I I wear my Chantilly shirt in LA in hopes that people stop me on the streets, but there's typically people are like, oh yeah, my cousin's from Falls Church. So there's always some little six some degree degrees. of Kevin Bacon to to Northern Virginia. Yeah. Um, okay, so you know the drill here. Again, I want to share this story. Like, I, obviously, you're you're killing it. I want to share that. Um, I think the story itself is impressive, but also these questions, as I mentioned, um, are largely, quite honestly, for me. And as I'm running my own show here and kind of getting 
getting some steam going for myself. So uh, let's just jump into it. So I want to talk about, you've talked about this idea of, and I think you tweeted it recently. Um, I forget the exact context, but like the idea of keep going and grinding through shitty times um, to get to where you're at now without getting into like each job and like how everyone's slated to do blah, blah, blah. Like just generally speaking, how do you think your past experience puts you like in the right mindset to start a business and start blue wire? Totally man. When, so I set out to be a sports writer, which is like climbing a mountain almost of, you know, you're not going to get paid for a long time. Uh, and so I was kind of used to shitty conditions a little bit in my career. And so when I, before I started Blue Wire, you know, I had been through, I'd had bad bosses. I had been fired before, shot my toe off, uh, just said dumb things in meetings. So, you know, I am a person who wears my heart on my sleeve. I wanted to do it in my own company where people, uh, where it was, uh, considered okay, where, where people could be authentic. I've never felt like I could be my own authentic self and, and other places where I worked at, whether that be a TV station or a radio station or the Cleveland Browns. So, you know, the, it, it's a determination. I had such a determination from graduating high school. I was like the student body president or whatever, it, you know, and I went to Kappa Sigma wanted to be the vice president. I've always wanted to be a leader. I never felt as a sports writer I could ever really be a leader mm -hmm. in any of the buildings I was in. So push came to shove where I was like, I need to like take control of what's going to happen in my career. The only way to do that is to likely found something. I was really scared at first because I didn't really know anything about podcasting. I was a writer, but I didn't think websites are really the future. Like who's going to invest in a website or what? I, I can't build a dead spin or whatever. So podcasting was so new that I felt like, okay, very few people are trying things over here. Yeah. And so that's, you know, for me, Blue Wire was a culmination of like, I want to keep climbing this mountain in sports. I have to do it more on the business side. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, kind of generally speaking, man, I'm determined. I'm determined to make an impact. I, I, we work more than we sleep in our life. We work more than we're with our family. If you're not trying to make an impact in kind of what you're doing, it doesn't have to be a financial impact. For me, it used to just be creating headlines and being a part of the sports conversation. Now mm -hmm. I'm interested in growing businesses, but I want to make an impact at the end of the day. Blue wire is my ability to make a bigger impact than I ever could have made. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. A difference between that mindset and like the actual business part of it though, right? Like, so you, you decided you want to, like, you're not fitting into this box, right, of whatever you were doing. You knew you wanted to lead. But when was it that you were like, all right, this idea, at least at that point, probably was an idea, like, this can be an actual business. It seemed like it was it was pretty, pretty quick, no? Like, from I think so. I, I, there, before Spotify bought Ringer, there was a couple other headlines of, I saw uh, Intercom acquired Odyssey. And I was like, oh, radio stations are buying podcasting companies. There was a few signaling factors that made me want to found the company. But to me, man, I've always loved connections. I've always, 
I didn't even want to be a sports writer to write the articles. I fear, fear, uh, realized at the end of the day, uh, I wanted to just connect with people. I wanted to talk with people. And so when I founded Blue Wire, I looked around and saw other podcasters that I realized mine wasn't big enough to make an impact. And so there were other people on Twitter like myself. And I genuinely wanted to reach out to with folks, connect with them and help. I wanted to build a platform where I could help people. Is the help money? Is the help production? Is the help our time and effort? Do you need a new logo? Do you, whatever, you know, this whole toolkit of help. I was inspired to help people. Uh, and I, 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 for me, I don't like managing all the projects at Blue Wire. I like having all the conversations. I'm really the starting pitcher for the team. I, I like to, whether that's our content or our sales or the first big decision, I, I don't even close a lot of our deals. I start a lot of them. And I think that was exciting for me about this company and kind of how I could position myself. I like having the conversations and yeah. I was able to create this, this momentum early on. I had Armani, a co-founder who you got to dream big a little bit. If you want investors, I was in San Francisco as well too. So I, my mom was a solo entrepreneur with her business. I knew I, I'm a person who needs help. I can't do it all by myself. So I did dream big at the beginning of this. How does Blue Wire one day have 10 employees or 15 or 30 like we have one day, maybe 100? Mm -hmm. Cool. So was there, within those beginning times, was there like a specific moment or like realization that this is starting to work and like, A, like the business might work, you might be onto something and B, you might actually be good at that role, which like you hadn't, you hadn't done before. Cause it's, I mean, everything, when you're a founder, everything you're doing is, is new for the most part. Right. So like, was there a moment when you were like, this might be my niche, my, my thing. You're yeah. Early on, everything is a win, but your first hire is so critical. My first one was this guy, Pierre Moses, mm -hmm. and he was a Jack of all trades. He did not have the resume where I should have hired him. He wasn't like some head of content before I brought him in. He actually was working uh, as a pizza delivery guy not too long before this. He was kind of a little down and out like I was uh, trying to figure out my way. But he was so determined and he was super smart and he connected with people how I did. And I knew that he could represent me in a room if I wasn't there. And it was almost like cloning myself yeah. a little bit. And I almost, he is smarter than me. I, I can admit that Peter is smarter than me. And it was so key for me. Okay, I want to raise money to hire more people. There are people who believe in the Blue Wire mission who are actually smarter than me and I can put them in other rooms. The whole company can move faster. Mm -hmm. So at first I had really cheap labor who were just editing the podcast, but then I realized, wait a second, it's worth carving up. I don't need to own a hundred percent of the pie here. I'll own less. I know I can move faster with more people. That was a critical moment for me where, okay, yes, I can do media and content. I've been doing that for 10 years before this. Mm -hmm. Can I hire people? Can I execute a vision? Can I bring people in and motivate them, have them work as hard as me? That was the key moment for me was hiring Peter, it going well, introducing him to other investors and people and, and them being like, I want to invest in Blue Wire. We closed our first seed round, $1.2 million, February of 2020, one month before the pandemic hit, thank God, mm -hmm. got the Hail Mary in. 
but I think hiring Peter was a huge step for me. And then I hired this guy, Scott and Maggie and us four, we're still really growing the business. We have our COO, Sean Drash, some other yeah. great hires as well, but built in nucleus of people, Maggie for sales, Peter and Scott for content and marketing. And then, yeah, I realized that I want to be in the trenches and lead people because that's what the job becomes. Yeah. So like with Peter, who I've met, awesome guy, are you, um, like that situation and I guess like the first couple, was it more you had a kind of role determined or was it more just like, I like him, I'm going to get him on board and we'll like figure that out? Is it more like talent role first, is, role second, I guess? The first hire is like, yeah, who can, is this, does this person have a lot of skill sets? You can't hire a specialist unless it's a salesperson first, but you likely want to build your supply before you hire sales in any kind of small startup. So whether your supply is apple cider vinegar or podcast, you want someone who can manage and grow that supply, market that supply, yep. uh, work well with creators. And so for me, he was multifaceted. He had a podcast himself. He still has one, a comedy one. Mm-hmm. That was important. He could relate to the creators, relate to the suppliers of the business. Uh, and then you, you got to create demand on the sales side. So the Maggie was after that, but yeah, first hire, you look for a super generalist who's good with people. Who's a good communicator who can deal with a lot of shit. And once you start boogieing with that person, waking up every day at the same time, but in you start rolling downhill a little bit uphill and downhill get used incorrectly. Sometimes like, Oh, it was, it was, it, uphill is a climb. Uh, uphill is hard you want to be moving downhill. You want to get your business rolling. And if you get the right set of hires, it, and I don't want to get into wrong. I mean, we can get into wrong hires, but you know, that's the challenging part of this. Uh, yeah. Luckily, if you get the first few, right, you can get things rolling downhill. Yeah. Critical. What, um, uh, one of the questions I had, you kind of answered it, but like, it's kind of a feeling you get, right? But is there like one thing in particular that you look for in someone? Like one standout trait? Is it hard? Is it like, you know? Uh, it, it's really weird. And actually people be like, what? It, it's a hard word to say. Improvis, improvisational skills. <laughs> I, I got it right. Improv, improv, improv. I look for people who can literally act on a stage because for my company, a media business, you got to sell people, whether that's our creators, our advertisers, listeners. And so I look for people who can take information on the fly and improv. And I, I look for that in job interviews. It is not a standard job interview. It's more yeah, pulling up our pitch deck, getting, getting them their wheels turning, getting the ideas flowing. Because we don't have all the answers when you build a business. You need people to invent them with with you. So I look for people who can come up with answers. I look for problem solvers, but you're improving a little bit. Peter is an improv comedian, Maggie Scott. Scott's a podcaster. Maggie's been doing brand accounts, talking to Microsoft and people. Yeah. I look look for the gift of the gab a little bit. And and then they, they all built out their teams. Maggie has a team underneath her. Peter has a team underneath him. And kind of they can be the pillars of the organization. You can skin cats a lot of different ways, but for me, yeah, it, you got you had to get the people in place because you don't want to be rotating people, and you can't really build a business that way. Yeah, and that's not a skill that's often taught in bigger companies. I think that's an adjustment for a lot of. I'm sure you've 
interview, talk oh, yeah, to people are playing of, by the script. Yeah, a bunch of super qualified people who were like bad fits because they didn't necessarily have that. Oh yeah, that so many overqualified people. It, it's been flattering the people from iHeart and Spotify and ESPN who've yeah. been head of sales or whatever for twenty years and have the track record, the resume, and interviewing them, even with Armani, my co-founder and other advisors. It's just there's a fit. There's a way I want someone to talk about Blue Wire, a way I want someone to carry themselves, a way I want them to approach their work. Mm-hmm. You you have to take a bet that they're going to be that fit, but they they give a shit. They the they're dumping the Kool Aid. Um, it I'm all about the culture. Like I don't use that word culture, but yeah. you hire the right people. It's fun to come to work at Blue Wire. If it's not fun, then I've failed as a leader. Yeah. And what, what are we doing here? It's not fun, right? The money is, it's great, but it, if, it, if it's a toothache or a root canal, everyone's had those jobs where like, I don't want to go to this two o'clock meeting. And yeah. I know I can be a pain in the ass to people as Ben knows as I push him, but I, yeah. I try and do it, even though my message sometimes isn't delivered as positively as I want to. Always trying to push everyone downhill and push people forward and faster. That's yeah. the game. For sure. Can attest to that. Um, no, but that's great. I couldn't agree more with that. Yeah, I wanted to talk about team, but also want to talk about like as we're going downhill, right? As you've got more and more momentum. Like, how about that segue? Um, things are starting to pick up. And, uh, you know, obviously, last couple of years have things are going well. How do you approach kind of making sure you appreciate the moment and these, these wins while focusing on? the next, the next thing. Cause I know it's, you know, it's a, a constant battle of like patience uh, versus like, all right, onto the, onto the next. I get overexcited about little wins. If you look on my LinkedIn or my uh, Instagram, I do post, I posted today that Matthew Stafford and Kelly Stafford were in our studio. Oh, we man. made zero money from that. They're not even on our network. We probably didn't get any downloads, but there are cool things along the journey that do happen. You have to lean into and and kind of tell the story. So, you know, the social media posts that I share are true wins for me that I'm trying to share with folks. Want them, you know, we live in this society where we're getting validation through likes, but it's not about the likes for me. Like it's almost a scrapbook. If you kind of scroll through some of my feeds here about building the company, I don't really have a content calendar for my Instagram uh, or my LinkedIn for my personal pages, for our blue wire pages, for sure. But I, mm-hmm. I still, I care about my business so much that I'm trying to share those little scrapbook moments where people can be a part of it. So, you know, that's, that's huge for me. Uh, people are just way more capable than they realize they are at the end of the day. Uh, and yeah, these, these wins, sometimes they seem, I don't, people have unfollowed me on Instagram, close friends and followed me back. Like, I think people do get sick of it as well, but I, I'm in this game for, I I can't be in this game for my college buddy, you know, unfollowing me. That doesn't bother me anymore. If they refollow me, I don't, I don't bring that up in person or like, what the fuck? Like I understand people use social media differently. My scrapbook is there. I'm building my business in public and I hope people can enjoy it. Like I am. Was, yeah, I think our our team does too. It's so cool to see like Maggie on my team would never post it on social media about. But no, I, I know what you mean. Was was that like a shift of 
you know, not the whole not caring about certain people, like, or in general, like that idea of, I mean, I, I know you, like, I know largely that hasn't been a huge issue for you, but to hear you even bring it up, like it, it had to have been a thought. So a lot of times people, you may seem outwardly one way and it, it may be different, but it, was that something that as things started rolling, you were just like, fuck it. Um, this is what's happening. I don't care. Yeah. I remember when I first launched blue wire, I think people were like, good luck, man. Like seems cool. Like, you know, at first it's really hard to build that momentum. You got to really at the beginning stick with it. So I, I try to just be authentic. That's why I've always tried to live that way uh, to the best degree possible. It does rub people the wrong way sometimes, uh, but I, I don't know, man. I'm, yeah, for sure. You 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 want people to be a part of your journey, but you don't let that get in your head either. Like, oh, I'm not gonna post. There's certain people unfollowing me. Like, who who am I? So, yeah. you know, I don't let it stop me. I'm not really thinking about it ever. But you know, early on. I, I just brought it up today because someone I was like oh wow that person has been on I don't care like you, you can't care about social media you're, you're just trying to build people who care uh yeah. you you can't care about the people who who aren't about it uh real life and social media they're they're going to get married more together as, as as all this goes on but right now they're almost like separate worlds a little bit yeah um, and you know trying to just be authentic on there man I, I post negative things on there, try to, but you know, Instagram is a snapshot of the win. So fuck yeah. It. yeah, it's wild. Twitter's a different beast for sure. Cool. That that's also kind of like what you said about like not caring, like people who are gonna unfollow and follow. This may not be as good a segue as the last one, but you had something I read again about like target audience and um for Blue Wire, like focusing on initially, like focusing on those who are already listening to podcasts and not trying to convert people. I think that's like a super interesting kind of idea that can be spread to many different companies, like focusing again, it's that finding that target audience, but can you just kind of speak on that? Like we're only going after people who listen to podcasts. Like we're not here to convert people. This is kind of our, our mindset. Was that something you had like from the jump based on your experience or how did that kind of mindset come in? Yes. From working on radio and hearing the people who called in, uh, you know, I think the people who there's a lot of education, there's years of walls to break down potentially for folks who just don't get it. So yeah, really focused. We don't do Instagram ads for, Oh, people listen to radio. Let's try and get people into podcasting. Um, I, I'm pushing you constantly and other entrepreneurs I work with, who is your target audience? Who, who are you trying to talk to? What is this product for? I, I feel like Blue Wire has become a little bit like the Reddit of sports talk for podcasting, all these niche, small communities. Like that's what we've, we've evolved to. The target audience can keep evolving for sure. But yeah, I think part of that is is just podcast listeners. Uh, we, we get a lot of X radio hosts. We've talked to Bob Costas. We didn't want to do a deal with him. We're like, the audience isn't there. Uh, yeah. We don't think it translates. Uh, the, 
for people to subscribe to audio, you, you don't have to be a former TV famous person. You can be a fan, a little bit of a nobody and rise up. It's a little bit of a different medium. People hitting subscribe. Think about radio. You used to just turn on the dial and that's what it was. Now you get to program your own stuff. So it's the wild, wild west still in content. No one's figured it out. I think sports is going to switch, man. I think Apple is going to have football and Amazon could have, Amazon's going to have football. They could have the NBA. You're going to, Netflix could be getting into all of this habits of where people are consuming sports, what they're doing. They're all going to continue to shift. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Barstool Ringer, there's so many who've been at the forefront of this. Blue Wires, there's been a path paved for us. We've definitely, uh, yeah, me, me working in radio too is definitely over my eyes. There's a lot of money in podcasting right now. It's a hot category. Timing is everything in business. So, you know, a lot of the success has been because of timing for sure. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, you touched on competitors. Have a question on competitors. I, again, in my immaculate research, I saw a quote that you said about uh, collaboration. I think this might have been more recently. So, I think it's important to interact with all organizations focusing on audio and exchange ideas, be as collaborative as possible. That's probably not the most common mindset, but I think it's the right one. Do you care to elaborate on that and like sharing ideas and not looking at enemy, like people as enemies necessarily? Totally. And I want to write more white papers and just publish more of our theories. This isn't nuclear science. This isn't Ukraine and Russia kind of what we're working on here. I do think there's competition people are trying to be better. That's business. But at the end of the day, yeah, I think we, we want to help creators. We want to help people get into the space. We want to give our playbook on TikTok, how we're using that to grow our podcast audience. We want to share with people how we make narrative content from home. We don't need a fancy studio. Here's how we make all this music from scratch. Ultimately, I think that gets in the hands of creators, whether that's tomorrow or a year from now or three years from now, mm-hmm. they become stars or they get connected to our brand. So you've seen Gary V and I don't want to become like him, but people give away stuff for free for a long yeah. time, all the time. Yeah, uh, They don't treat their philosophy on things like nuclear secrets. They give it yeah. away for free on a lot of platforms. I feel like on LinkedIn, I've given away my, a lot more of my philosophies. I get de- on Zoom calls with people, even though I'm not going to work with, like, I want to make people think. And I think I've yeah. done that. Our reputation with Blue Wire, one of our friends was at a random Super Party, Super Bowl party last week in LA. And she, this dude was like, yeah, I work at the New York Post. And she was like, have you heard of Blue Wire? And he was like, oh, Kevin, I admire what they're building so much. Nice. I get more and more of those stories, which to me means we're doing our job. People know yeah. who we are. We're getting out there. That means people are thinking about us, that they're copying us a little bit. That's probably good. Uh, yeah. That, it, it may be a waste of their time. Maybe they can't execute it like we can. Yeah. And if they can, it's helping grow the space. Podcasting still not everywhere. Only 41% of people are, are listening to pods in America. It's like 95% for TV and radio. We, we have a long way to go. Yeah. So anyone who's doing it is, is helping in a way as long as no, no one's going to be able to replicate what you're doing. So give away, I think it's the idea, the thought that like people are that many people are out there like trying to 
copy your exact playbook is kind of like a cocky thought to begin with, right? Like, like that yeah. mindset of like, <laughs> yeah. There's like, all these people just waiting to like steal my secrets. It's like maybe a couple, but like it's execution and probably not as many as you think. That's what investors say to us too. We sign NDAs like, oh, we want to show them all my pitch deck, but who cares, man? Like don't, right. don't put down every single thing that you've done. But yeah, yeah, we use my Twitter DMs at the beginning of Blue Wire to DM different creators because we, we thought cold emailing them was the wrong move. I'm sure people can copy that and go start their business like DMing people. Is that that novel of a concept? Like, yeah, you know, I'm okay like talking about, oh yeah, that's how we got started. Uh, you know, these were our first advertising partners. Here's what failed. So yeah, that that article you're referencing, I'm I'm speaking at a conference in New York. There are going to be yeah. radio and different podcasting people there. Yeah, I plan on sharing anything. I'm an open book. Yeah, I've not taken a business class before I founded Blue Wire. I think it's fascinating, kind of our build, how we've done it quickly. It's more case study, honestly. Yeah, you are an open book. I can attest to that. <laughs> uh, cool. Yeah, I can't wait to. That's coming up, right? That's this weekend or next weekend. You said a couple of conferences in New York. Yeah, going uh, to one called Hot Pod. Thursday, the 24th, not sure when this app is going to release, but we'll be in New, New York, late February, early March for any of the favorite listeners. If you want to shoot me a DM. Cool. We'll uh, keep you posted on that. A um, couple more here and then we can get you, get you off and going. Another the time difference for me, it's getting kind of late here. So a couple like general questions that I'm going to need you to like, talk about yourself real quick. Um, one, what do you think is the most challenging part about running a business? At the beginning, it's getting people to care about your product. Uh, the key, the key people for me, it was advertisers for you. It's like, uh, potentially you know, buyer buyers of your product, but uh, as it evolves, as you once you have more than ten employees, the most challenging part becomes people, and not like that they're complaining about the work, but like there's so many projects going on, people are working on different priorities. That becomes the most challenging thing for me. I can lead people; people are excited to come to work, but the most challenging part became, still is here are all the projects. We have everything listed out. You go through several different systems. You shed the skin. If any of my blue wire people are listening, you kind of evolve over time. You can't stick with the same system that you have with five people with 15. You read it in all the books and then you go through it and you're like, yeah, we need to break this. We were on Slack. We had to move to Microsoft Teams. But I think early days where you're at, Ben, where a lot of people are thinking of when they're listening to this podcast, they're inspired by you, Ben. They want to start their own business. How do you get your own shit noticed? You got to be different with Blue Wire. I found other in influencer marketing, you know, these podcasts. I leaned into the keywords. You're doing it with gut health. You got to find your audience. You're, you're separating words that get people in. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Cool. Um, what do you think? I mean, we've talked about this kind of with all these questions and I, I think I know the answer, but 
I want to hear it from your mouth. What is your best skill? What is one skill that's attributed most to your success? You know, persuasion is up there. You 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 got to be able to kind of put people paint the picture of them in this in the situation. Chris Long, you're on our team. You're in Vegas. You're recording the podcast. You gotta you gotta paint that picture in someone's mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's so important. <laughs> Ooh, bragging about myself. I'm just just grinning right now. I do love this. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's one. I would say you got to keep relationships is number two. So once the persuasion is there, you got to be able to keep delivering. People are bought into the vision, but they're here because of the bacon, because of the bread. They're they're getting something out of this beyond the initial excitement. So we do happy hours with our podcasters. Certain people are in Vegas for sending hoodies to folks. I know the little buttons to push we have a green, yellow, red system uh, with our key people for our podcasters. Who's who's just not feeling blue? Who's a little upset right now? Who can we cheer up? Mm-hmm. Even people green, how do we keep them going? But I think, you, you know, monitoring that. I understand people. I, under, I understand kind of the thought process behind keeping them happy and motivated. So those skills, persuasion and, I don't know, button pushing, uh, <laughs> whatever you call that, man, people management, the relationship, relationship building. Like I said, you don't want to cycle people in and out. You don't want to be having a ton of different podcasters or suppliers, or you want to build with the same people for years. If you're going to start a business, your employees, different people you're working with. So we have the same designer after our buddy, Chris Albright designer logo, Russell is still designing podcast artwork with us. Yeah. I'm loyal. I like to keep people who are, who are bought in. Yeah. I mean, it's coaching, right? Like that it encapsulates like the idea of coaching, pushing buttons, knowing when to press, when to hold off. How that's treat- why I want to push you. Like, I want you to treat- have a million dollars to play with to bring more people together. Cause I think you're an amazing coach. You are yeah. and you need more teammates, you know, yeah. my sister, other entrepreneurs, why I pushed them so hard to raise capital. I don't even know how to manage a budget still. I have, I have so much money coming in and out. I have other people who help me with that now, but everyone's so much more capable than they realize they are. We've all played sports. It's just, it's, it's the same dynamic here. Instead of the, the field, the business is the field. Yeah. You said that a couple of times now and I, I love it. Um, everyone's more capable than they think they are. Talk about that. Like, is that something you've like grown because as I mentioned before, like you've always been someone who's confident. Like I know you always had high hopes for yourself, but do you think that was more innate or it's obviously it grows as you get more success, but how do you kind of think about that for yourself? I'll start in sports. I used to be so scared to ask a question in the microphone when you first, like, you know, I moved to San Francisco. It's, it's nerve wracking. You're, what you're asking Kyle Shanahan a question or Chip Kelly at the time was the coach, but you, you just have to step up to the plate. Like no one's thinking about you as much as you're thinking about yourself. If you're in your head, you yeah. just got to go up in there and rip it. And with like fundraising, I did have to go through 500 startups to learn how to raise money. But once you close your first round, you realize, wait a second, 
okay, 200K, 1 million, 5 million, 10 million. What is the difference? You, of course, you have to show the results to get that. But yeah, I, I'm way more capable than I ever realized it was three years ago. Of I could have never imagined in, in my head, you want Blue Wire to become this successful, but push, you can push the right buttons. You actually can't. Um, and, uh, you know, it's wild. It, it all, a lot of it has to do with fundraising. I keep coming back to this notion of it's so hard to bootstrap anything by yourself for so long. You, yeah. you, you, you will be limited. So for me, living in California, having access to venture capital, living in San Francisco, kind of freed my limitations I put on myself and made me believe that I am more capable. I, I can be a CEO. I am a leader. And without that capital, I probably would have been relying on my mom or other people to, you know, and I think that's fine at the starting of a business too, but yeah, I, not everyone has to run a venture scale business for sure. Blue Wire is not going to be a billion dollar business. It's not, we have small venture investors too, but shit, man, it's like a video game. Once you get the money, you, you can do shit. You're like in a game yeah. or you're not kind of playing with one hand. So it's, it's a different way capable. of, yeah, it's a different way of thinking. Of, it's just a different way of thinking about money, right? Like you mentioned it as fuel more than like, don't think about it so much as, as money. It's like, it keeps you, keeps you going, gets you to that next level. Right. Right. Exactly. Your balance sheet has to be good. You have to make sales. You like, I don't want people to come away from this conversation. Just like, yeah. I'm just going to raise money and have a big idea. You have to run a sound business without question, but yeah. to unlock your potential, I know, I know what you would be doing with 1 million would be a lot different than what you're doing now. And so that's why I push people just seeing my own experience of like, oh shit, like, and like what I started with the team, your first question, what's the biggest step was getting yeah. that money in that team. And then you become, yeah, you, you, you become this whole thing, um, man. So this whole I'm, thing. I'm, <laughs> people are capable i i'm trying to develop more catchphrases i do want to you know next for me after blue wire i'm already thinking about investment firm and things like that so we'll see if this one capable i'll, I'll think of some synonyms off of that for my for my next thing talk about a segue ready for this question this is actually my my final question if you had to get one saying mantra tattooed on you i know you're not a big tattoo guy but you mentioned like shed the skin. You you said you kind of throw that around with your employees. Is there one like thing that sticks out as far as like this is something I, I kind of live by? You don't have to have one thing. No, I don't. I use I like, keep building, keep fighting, synonyms of that. People are capable. Keep going. Keep going. Um yeah, no, I I I'm trying to get better on my own messaging, but no, that's, I don't, yeah, that, that kind of ethos that, yeah, the, I mean, I, I screenshotted this, like the most dangerous kind of person is someone who just keeps getting back up in the fight. Mm -hmm. That That's who you don't want to fight is, is someone who you literally cannot not, or they're knocked down and they're, they're bleeding, their teeth are dangling or whatever, but they're, they're not going to stop. That's base to me. You can accomplish anything with that fighting mindset of yeah. I'm 
there's no way that this fight's going to end with a TKO and the other person winning, which, yeah, for me would be the, like the end of the startup. For, same with you. Like, mm-hmm. You're going to figure out the exit for the startup, whatever that would be. Yeah. So keep fighting, baby. Teeth dangling. That's a, that's a nice the, image. Keep fighting on the front. Teeth dangling on the back. There we go. <laughs> I love it, man. it. It feels like that sometimes. I know my journey. We didn't really talk about some of the the hard parts, but there, yeah, there's, there's been some teary nights. There's been wanting to quit early on, but figure out how to get downhill. Then, then you won't want to stop. Yeah, I mean, we can can touch on it. I, I did have a, a question or two on it, but yeah, I mean, well, I, yeah, you really want to say it's getting late. I know I was saying earlier. I'm going to New York, so we can go back. I, Hold on. No, we can keep a fire in here, man. I mean, I'm enjoying it. This is good. This is inspiring, Kev. Um, no, I mean, I guess since you brought that up, we didn't really talk about the struggles. I think we've talked a lot about the good, the yeah. good things, and it, it can be incredibly difficult. And um, we both know that. Um, it, I guess if you want to talk on like, one period in particular yeah we can edit this out if, if it doesn't come no 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 through, i actually but... like how you maybe generalized things earlier i've been fired three times my dad died uh, i've had bosses who really try to fuck me over after i got fired too like hitting up other people in the league do not hire him cancer the browns did that to me and really blackballed me from the league for a long time so you know, I've burnt bridges horribly. You want to learn some lessons from me. Do not get fired and kind of email people threatening them afterwards. I have done shit like that. I have destroyed relationships beyond repair. People who see me in public and still don't even look at me, like they don't fuck with me. I wish I didn't do shit like that. I used to react so emotionally and really want to pierce and hurt someone, even if I was why I got fired. I was being an asshole or didn't even realize it at the time. I think I, at the Browns, there were some things I, I, I got myself into situations where bosses were just like, this guy is just too risky. He's pushing the envelope too much. He's a 50 or $60,000 employee. We can't take too much risk in, in, in an employee like this. So, you know, I've hurt my career so much. And then the challenges of within blue wire of God, I sent I emailed every single podcaster, social security numbers, bank account numbers, every, all, all of them. There was 40 of them on the team at the time. This was like a year in. Every single person hit me up being like, what the fuck? Are you the dumbest person alive? Uh, I didn't acknowledge it for the first few hours that it happened either. Like I was just like, yo, like, I think people are just going to like hit me up and be like, yo, it's not that big of a deal. But no one did. Everyone was like, what the fuck? I had to buy LifeLock insurance for everyone. It cost $10,000 plus. I only had $100,000 in capital at the time. I was like, could I be a bigger fucking idiot? You want to talk about blowing one of your toes off? You know, now I can't go sign someone or do do a big move. So I paid Evander Kane $25,000. He's never recorded one podcast, one, one piece of content for us. He totally didn't show up for the contract. He's a D bag. He owes so many people money. Um, Michael Vick, we negotiated for a long time. The Madison Square Garden, the Knicks, there's been some people who've wasted so much of my time. Uh, 
nothing as bad as my father dying, which I kind of glossed over, but that was, that's obviously been a huge challenge. Uh, I don't feel like I have someone in my corner who's like a male figure. I haven't like replaced my father. So I do feel like that keep fighting mode is a little bit compensating because I don't have someone, my mom, of course, but it's a little bit different. Male male. So, you know, there's been challenging times. If you don't have a parent out there, like you can still do this. I actually think it gives you more grit, more dirt underneath your fingernails to, yeah. to get going. But this shit's hard. Life is just hard. I'm balding. I have back hair. I have acne on my ass. Like, you know, there's like things like that I want to take care of. I got, you know, real life shit too. But yeah. Yeah. I'm, well, thanks for sharing all that. Honestly, uh, I mean, not not the last part, but but everything <laughs> <laughs> everything before that. Um, yeah, I mean, you've taken all that. Like, it's all even the even the the worst of the worst. It's all you've taken it and and did something with it, right? Um, kind of, it's part of the I, journey. I, I, yeah, yeah. I think I, I was dealt maybe not the worst cards at all, but I wasn't dealt pocket aces here to get where I was, and yeah. I think you can have a decent hand and be at the poker table. Like I say, lose and just keep coming back. Uh, this game ain't over. Even if you're struggling with favor for sales, which you're not, but if, if you ever are, which we are with blue wire, sometimes, you know, it's okay. Fuck it. Like been through so much worse, you know, just, just keep going. Uh, I've, I always try and use people out of the way of a tough situation. How do I get this connection? How do I, how do I get some press some positive attention? I'm always trying to combat the negativity with something positive. Yeah. Yeah. You're doing a good job of it, man. I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of this podcast, man. It's coming a long way. Um, other than saying the segue out loud three times, uh, not bad, man. There's a couple things that I keep doing and I just can't stop doing them. One is a time thing. I keep doing that. I don't know why I'm doing that. Um, the segues. I told you the first 10 episodes are you're, yeah. cringeworthy. My first 10 episodes, it's really difficult. Yeah, it's getting better. It's all about progress. Progress over perfection, as we've talked about. Keep going, throwing yourself out there. You're the perfect example, man. You are inspiring people. Favors headed for huge places. Um, as a bagel, I just saw. Uh, can't wait till you're in the Midwest. I feel like you're a coastal elite company right now. But <laughs> hey, if you know, if you can help us get there, be my guest. But no, I appreciate your involvement. Of course, um, more, more, and more of that to come. Thanks for the time. Um, I gotta get that Siri thing figured out too. Um, but in all, in all seriousness, Gab, I, I tell you this a lot. I'm proud of you, man. I, I know it's like a weird thing to say. Um, I think you're, you know, inspiring. I always thought, and I've said this to your sister before, but I've always thought that you were going to be great. It's the same way I feel about myself. Like I always know something is good. Some, something super great is on the horizon. I just didn't know what it was going to be. Um, I think it's coming to fruition for you. I think it's I'm on the way as well. So I'm, I'm proud of you. Um, I believe in you and uh, hey, man. Let's, let's keep it going. Yeah, you're doing epic things, man. This entrepreneur game is its no joke. It's its the hardest thing that you can be out there doing. You, you've invented something from scratch here with favor. 
you now have a manufacturing machine who's building it. You used to make this either in your basement in New York to see the progress. It's unreal, man. Like I'm doing something I know, media. You're doing something you didn't know at all. So yeah, what you and the team are doing. I know the team's growing, man. Nick on the streets. It's awesome. Can't wait to keep following the journey, man. This podcast is great. Let's keep yes, it up. sir. Thank you, man. Appreciate your time, man. Later. Talk soon. Love you. Peace. Love you. Bye.